To the microphone. To the microphone. Hopefully recording. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, an international board certified lactation consultant. And I'm Ruth Green, an international full spectrum doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. The views expressed here are the personal opinions of individuals and do not necessarily reflect any official stance or recommendation by having a baby in China. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. <laughs> so we just recorded like a whole episode and had major sound issues. And so all I have to say I only have a few minutes. We're going to rapid fire through this because I think it's a super fun episode and full of information. Episode take two. (laughs) Go. All right. So for this week, I thought that it would be fun to just share our top five things that surprised us or might surprise someone else about a Chinese hospital. Okay. So Jacqueline and I wrote ours separately, and then we are bringing them to the table together or to the computer together, because we're not at the same table. To the microphone. To the microphone. Hopefully recording. Yes, hopefully (laughs) recording. All right. So my number one thing that surprised me about Chinese hospitals was that there is no soap or hot water in the bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah. It may not be very surprising since any bathroom that you go to in this country doesn't have (laughs) soap. It is interesting that during COVID, they did start putting soap in warm water places, which was lovely. Uh, And yet, how fast that has all gone away. I would say we're back to like 90%, like we've lost 90% of the soap in the bathrooms. Hey, maybe you'd be surprised that there's no toilet paper. Mm. But again, maybe not because all other bathrooms don't have- Very good point. Or soap or hot water. Yep. But because it is a hospital, you would think maybe their standard of practice, you know, that they're aware of germs. Right. Or that there's extra germs in a hospital, right? Yeah. Like, because people at the hospital. Yeah. Anyways, definitely just a very, very different culture of like personal hygiene. A lot of people will bring their own soap or their own toilet paper. So it's this idea that you take care of your own hygiene and yeah, everybody should do that. Yeah, But I will share a quick funny story about when my mom came, when I had my first baby, after I gave birth, she kept telling everybody like, oh, but the hospital was so clean. Like during the whole labor, they were so clean and hygienic. And I was like, that's an odd takeaway, (laughs) right? Like that's an odd thing. And it finally came out at some point. She had just been so horrified that there was no soap in the public bathrooms that she was like apparently really terrified when she went into the birth with me that if that was the standard, then like what would be the standard in the birth room? So anyways, I just thought that was kind of funny. And they really were very hygienic and even like over hygienic. Yes, definitely. They can be very hygienic in the labor room, delivery room. I mean, and I just remember being like, what is this? They're like putting sleeves on my legs and like <laughs> yes. pouring iodine all over my <laughs> all over my butt and vagina and vulva <laughs> and like legs and I'm like, what is and covering every yeah. Anyways, that was so, everything in iodine. And then yes. like your the partner has to be completely garbed up with like all yep. of the, the scrubs and the hairnet and like everything. Yeah. So Okay, what was your first thing? 
So yeah, to kind of piggyback off of that are squatty potties in the hospital. So <laughs> yes. I, again, like maybe I shouldn't be surprised because of course all the public bathrooms are like that. But like early on, I don't know. I just never envisioned pregnant lady having to squat, which I know now is very good for you. But anyway, <laughs> like, but how can you expect me to squat and take a urine sample, right? Like it's not even... With no soap or hot water. Yeah, that's my number two <laughs> is when you go to get your test done and they're like, okay, now you need to go take your urine test. They give you this little tiny medicine cup. A medicine <laughs> with a cup, handle. Tiny it's a medicine little, cup with, with a, a tiny, tiny it. little, not handle. It's like a little. Flap? I don't know. Yes, a flap. There we go. <laughs> so then you're carrying this, waddling to the bathroom, which then you need to use the, the squatty. And so now you have to figure out how you're going to squat not pee on yourself, but also catch it. You got to get like your clothes off with one hand while holding this plastic cup in the other hand. (laughs) That at least you could like whatever, but you know, (laughs) catching it and then holding it and pulling your clothes back up. Yes. Uh, What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Like, and how do you wash your hands? Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. And so then you're just (laughs) carrying it down the hallway. Open cup of pee. All these people like, (laughs) <laughs> yes yep. times. even Good even times. in this private hospital that I gave birth in for my first two children which was really trying to bring in like I don't know they had a water pool they allowed my husband in you know they were trying to incorporate all of these like new or different standards but I still had this little plastic medicine cup and squatty potties yeah. to take my urine samples in so yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was my one and two, and your. Okay, so my next one is that the rooms are hot. Mm. Not always, because I've heard somebody else said, oh, my room is actually freezing. But in general, the rooms, they like to keep the labor and delivery and postpartum room to 27 to 28 degrees, which is over 80 degrees Fahrenheit, just have to say. Mm. It's really, really hot. And then you have your postpartum hormones, and you're trying to, like, your body's trying to sweat off all the extra fluid that you have. And so I just really strongly recommend that you bring like a fan, like a hand fan or one of these battery operated ones and anything that you can, like those little instant ice packs or I don't know. If you don't like to be hot, do mentally prepare and physically prepare for whatever you can to cool yourself off. Oh, yes, one definitely. of my clients said they really liked the Evian face spray. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like those, yep. Yep. like a water spray. And yep. so she said like, she just had her husband like spraying that on her face constantly. That was really cooling to her. So yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your next one? So my third one is that your exams are not private. Mm, that is also my third one. You do not generally have private exam rooms. So you go in and you're going to be in the room with other expectant moms and their moms all standing around, sitting around, whether they're trying to like get their paper to the doctor or just standing, <laughs> listening to the doctor talk to you or they're talking over the doctor to be like, hey, listen to my question or whatever it is. I just need to ask this quick question so I can go do this. And, you know, five people are yeah. doing that while you're trying to figure out what's going on with your body. 
I will say in my personal experiences, though, like when it was time to get like a a vaginal Mm -hmm. check or internal exam or something, there was always a privacy screen. Now, it is still a little bit unnerving because the people are still coming in and talking, hey, quick question about da da da. (laughs) Like, yeah. That can definitely surprise someone. And also because of this, it's not common for males, whether it be the husband or the partner or whoever, to be in the space. Yeah. Actually, one interesting thing that I have really grown accustomed to is that birth hospitals are almost exclusively female spaces. And I don't mean that people don't have their partners. That's another thing that is true as well in a lot of places, but that almost all of the staff are females. Mm -hmm. So like all of the nurses, all of the doctors, unless it's like a really specialized doctor, maybe sometimes, I don't know. It's so funny to me. I was just watching YouTube birth videos for something and, and the male doctor comes in and like sits at the, you know, feet of the person who's ready to push out a baby. And I was really taken aback by this because I really have grown accustomed to, it's really like a female space. I think that's really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. But I agree on the no privacy kind of piggybacking on that is that it actually is not common for partners to be there, not only at appointments, but actually like through the birth, because a lot of the spaces are shared spaces. So to back up a little bit, when you go into labor, like if you're having contractions or your water breaks or whatever, and you go to the hospital, they'll first put you into like the room that you're going to stay in postpartum. Mm hmm. And then like you'll labor there for a while unless you come in and you're just you know, already in very Unless you're labor. like me and you're like pushing the baby out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, you know, say you show up at like one or two centimeters, you're having contractions. They'll usually keep you. You don't generally have to fear being sent home. I know that's something that people really worry about is what if I go too early and they send me home? That's a whole nother topic. Um, they generally like to keep you, but you'll be in that room until labor's like fully active, uh, usually mm-hmm. until about four to six centimeters, or if they need to do something like Pitocin or, you know, something mm-hmm. more medicalized, then they will move you into what's called the labor room. And in the labor room is generally shared. So even in a private hospital, oftentimes the labor room is shared and there'll be like two or three other moms and maybe their birthing partner, maybe a mom, maybe a mother-in-law, sometimes a partner, like a a husband, male partner, but Mm -hmm. because it's shared space that that is not often common. And then you'll be there for hours usually, right? Like a long time uh, (laughs) until you're ready to deliver or go to the pushing stage and then they'll move you to the delivery room, which is usually private. Now, I feel like I've heard people share stories that they actually had other people in their actual delivery room. And if that was you, I'm really curious to hear about that. So please private message and let me know. And so kind of on that note, I did want to point out that it's really important to not just say, oh, is my partner allowed to be there? Is my husband allowed to be there? But at what point is he there? Or at what point would they kick him out? Because a lot of times hospitals if they're allowing partners in, they'll be like, yeah, 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 they can be there, but they don't want them in the labor room. So you might spend from the time that you're like three, four, five centimeters all the way to the pushing stage by yourself, which is actually the longest, hardest, most exhausting time, in my opinion, it can mm-hmm. actually last you know, hours or even a day or more. And so that could be quite the shock. So definitely not just ask, is my partner allowed to be there? But mm-hmm. at what point is he allowed in the room? Yeah. And if they say, oh, he's not or whatever to ask if there is a private space that you might be able to pay more for or something like that. 
Yeah. And I think because like you mentioned, the hospital birthing world is such a female world. Mm -hmm. I think they just generally, they default to, they assume you don't want someone in the room. So Mm -hmm. even like, okay, they are allowing your spouse, your partner to be in the room, but then they keep asking them to leave during an exam. I think it's coming from not, they're just assuming you want privacy where if you just yeah. express and say, actually, no, I really want my partner to stay in the room during the exams, then oftentimes they'll be accommodating. But yeah, just I think they're just coming from a different perspective. Mentality and perspective. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And this goes for anything in labor, to be honest. But if something isn't going the way that you like, like maybe they have you lying in a position that you're not comfortable or they keep saying, oh, we're going to do a vaginal check. So your partner needs to leave the room and, and you're not comfortable with that then just say something, ask or smile and tell your husband to stay anyways. <laughs> yeah. 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 And on that note, I am starting to shift towards encouraging my clients to not just say like, is my partner allowed to be here? But to shift the phrase to, it's very important that my partner be with me at all times. How will your hospital accommodate that? Or how will your hospital work around that? Mm -hmm. And this goes for anything. I think we have this mindset of being like the good patient. And so we want to know what the rules are and stay within the rules. But really, it's your birth. It's your body. And so if you can shift your, your verbiage or your terminology to being, actually, this is very important to me. How will you accommodate that? Then you might actually see, you know, that there might be more options. It comes off much more respectful. And like I Mm. mentioned, like they're coming from this different perspective where they're like, yeah, no one would want a a male in the room. Like that's, that's (laughs) just not something that they're accustomed to. So by saying, Hey, actually, this is really important to me. Then they can understand and be like, okay. I mean, maybe they're not going to grasp it right away because it's just such a different mind frame from where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. But then in a respectful way, they're like, oh, this is something important. This is how they're thinking. And so then they can hopefully be able to work well with you. Yeah. Okay. What was your next one, Jacqueline? Uh, So my next one is that when you get ultrasounds, it's actually illegal for the hospital and medical staff to disclose the gender of the baby. Yes. That may be surprising as like all around the world, people are doing gender reveals. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Yep. And I do want to just like remind people, it is actually a legal issue. So I know lots of times we can have conversations in groups about like, oh, well, you know, if you do this or if you that or ask in this way, but just Mm -hmm. being aware of and understanding that you're putting the doctor or the ultrasound technician at like a legal risk by asking or pushing for something. If they offer it, that's one thing. But if you're pushing for something or I don't know, just just being very aware that it is actually illegal and you're putting somebody at risk if you push the issue. Mm -hmm. But I do understand it's, it could be difficult because I found myself in this kind of situation where I had this Western doctor. And so she came into the ultrasound room and then was like, Oh, it looks like, and I was like, what, what, what is it? And, and I saw the ultrasound technician get really, really uncomfortable but I didn't pick up on it like soon enough. And anyways, just being really careful because I really put that ultrasound technician in a, in a not good position when I'm pushing for something that actually she's not legally allowed to provide. So yeah. And she held her boundary, which was in her right to do. So, Mm. yep. 
Okay, so there are a couple things that I think are surprising in a really good way. And the first one mm-hmm. is that rooming in, in other words, the baby staying with you after the birth is actually common practice here. So mm. you'll often see in American movies, especially that after the baby's born, that it like goes off to the nursery and the dad's like looking through the glass, right? Like, oh, that's yeah. my baby. That 100% is not the common practice here. As long as mm-hmm. baby is healthy, then actually it's expected. <laughs> so this might be important for someone to understand. It's expected that you keep the baby and take care of the baby yourself. Mm. The nurses will not be taking care of the baby for you. Yeah. I mean, it actually kind of goes along the lines of hospital practices here mm-hmm. where the nurses don't actually care for you like in American hospitals and I assume Western hospitals, which nurses do a lot of work and they care for you. They help with all these little things and they don't do that here. They're more of technicians. My husband had an appendicitis and I had to tell the nurses, you need to give him this medication now. And, you know, like, isn't this on a chart that you're supposed to follow? (laughs) No, no. And I was also responsible to like help him get up out of bed and use the toilet and feed him. And yeah, the biggest surprising thing to me. I do think those other things were surprising to me, but the biggest one was telling the nurses that they had to give them these medications. So you but, as okay. the partner, as the company spouse, like yeah. you had to be the one to know his medication schedule? Yeah. You have to <laughs> we really ha- you have to like keep track of the doctor's orders. I mean, I can't get the medicine. Yeah. But I'm responsible to make sure that he gets it. Wow. Yeah. But yes, I agree that it is very much in a line of hospital practice here that actually your family is expected to care for you. Yeah. After the birth, not during the birth, because during the birth, there's too many people. So nobody's allowed in. Mm -hmm. All right. Did you have any others? Yeah. So my last one, you know, because I'm a lactation consultant, I have to mention breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it may be surprising about the knowledge of breastfeeding that the hospital staff does or most likely does not have. Actually, all over the world, even in Western culture, there is not a lot of breastfeeding education being done for anyone. Mm-hmm. It is a specialized field where if you want to know about it, you have to go. So as lactation consultants, we actually have the most in-depth knowledge and understanding of breastfeeding. OBs don't know the breastfeeding knowledge, but surprisingly, even pediatricians are Mm -hmm. not trained in breastfeeding, which you would think of any of the doctors, they would be ones that would want to know. I think we mentioned it with Dr. Layla that even in American doctor school, Mm -hmm. they only get like an hour in all of the many hours that they are Mm -hmm. educated. Mm -hmm. Only one hour is towards breastfeeding. And that is just not even enough to really understand the the surface. Yes. So surprising or not surprising, hospital staff here do not understand breastfeeding. Now, the good news is that the government really wants to encourage and they're pushing more breastfeeding. And so Mm -hmm. what you'll find in public hospitals, because they're the ones that are being run and influenced by the government, are really encouraging breastfeeding. Just unfortunately, their knowledge and how to support and encourage that is still a little bit behind. But it seems to be more so than in like a private hospital or even international hospitals, just because the public hospitals, you know, are being held to higher standards and encouraged to push breastfeeding more. So Mm -hmm. 
But like you said, like there's sometimes not all of the practices that go along with it. And that's what always surprises me because you can't always assume because one practice happens that other thing. So yes, breastfeeding is important, but then they might not have the actual practical skills of how to help mom achieve breastfeeding. Right. And so they may not understand that the things that they're encouraging or saying to do is actually undermining the Mm. breastfeeding relationship, like saying that, oh, well, in these first days, your colostrum is really low, which is normal. Colostrum is thick and very low in quantity, but the baby's stomach is small and so they only need a little bit. So They'll be like, oh, well, the baby isn't getting enough, so then we need to give formula. But that actually puts the mother and the baby on this trajectory to not be able to succeed in breastfeeding because, one, an artificial nipple is being introduced. The mother isn't stimulating the breasts as often Mm -hmm. in the early days, which is very crucial to be able to have a good supply later on. Mm -hmm. And and just other things like giving medication and saying, oh, well, this isn't safe. So then you shouldn't breastfeed. They just generally, because it's been so long of having formula and formula influence that they just feel safe and they'll just like, well, I don't understand this. And so since I don't understand this, I'm just going to revert back to formula. Let's just do formula because that must be better and safer because I, I don't understand this. I have this question. So, and honestly, they don't necessarily have the knowledge or resources to be able to find out the answer for this question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would encourage you if you do have a question when the doctors are saying, oh, this isn't, you know, with breastfeeding, they're like, you should revert to formula. Seek out help. Seek out information. It's okay to ask, okay, let me just check because in some cases it is totally fine to keep breastfeeding Mm -hmm. as opposed to stopping breastfeeding because of whatever it is that you're encountering. Yeah. And like you said, this is actually like a worldwide thing. I've heard so many Western doctors or other doctors also say things like, well, you know, just to be safe, let's go ahead and just stop breastfeeding and not asking the patient or the client, like how they actually feel about giving up breastfeeding or not understanding that, oh yeah, just pump and dump for 48 hours, the kind of effect that that might have long-term on the breastfeeding relationship. And so, yeah, definitely needs to be more awareness worldwide about really actually supporting moms if what they want is to keep breastfeeding, to not just be like, well, you know, it's only 24 hours or it's only 48 hours or, you know, oh, you know, that's ideal, but, you know, formula is almost as safe. So why don't we just, you know, and kind of to treat it as a deep of an issue as it might be felt by the mom. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where it is lacking is that being able to know where and how to mm-hmm. research that mm-hmm. information, like, yeah. is this safe? Yeah. Okay. Last thing. I think I said this in yeah. like a different episode, but maybe not. One big thing that surprised me when I was pregnant with my first was that it's actually common and encouraged to eat and drink during labor. So yeah. this was funny to me because in every American movie... <laughs> Not everyone, but almost everyone. Which portrays pregnancy delivery to the T, right? (laughs) Of course, exactly. You know, moms go into labor and then suddenly they can only have ice chips. And it's Mm -hmm. just funny to me because 
you know, ice itself is not encouraged in China and they almost mm. for certain yeah, won't yeah. have it in the hospital. It's definitely cold. I'm afraid <laughs> of what? the cold. Yes, afraid of the cold. And so it's like this huge cultural thing that in America often still, I mean, yes, it's in the movies, but actually in many hospitals, moms are not allowed to eat or drink and they're only allowed cold ice. <laughs> Whereas in China, it's like, no, we want it to be super warm 28 degrees, but please keep eating, eat, 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 you know? And so mm-hmm. I think my biggest thing in all of this is to just never assume anything. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't just think, oh, I had this one experience. So therefore I know, or yeah. whatever, you kind of have to throw a lot out the window and go in with eyes wide open. And that's why it's important to know what your own personal like preferences are and to be able to have that open communication with your partner so that they can support you in these things. And then when you come up against things that surprise you, it's like, okay, then you can evaluate in line with your own preferences and see, is this something that's just a preference or is this something that I actually can't, isn't acceptable to me and I need to make a different choice. So, yeah, but never assume anything. (laughs) That's my number one. It's a good one. Okay, so these were Jacqueline's and my like kind of off the cuff things that surprised us when we came to China and started having babies in Chinese hospitals. So I am curious to hear from you. If you have one that has surprised you, please share. We always love to have DMs, reviews, subscribers. Leave a comment. Reach out in all the ways. Love to hear from you. Until next time, Jacqueline. Until next time. Bye. Bye. can't I talk? Make sure you like and subscribe. I hate saying things like that, but I'm trying to get better at it. (laughs) We love hearing from you all is what that boils down to.